When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Podcast. What is up, College Across fans? You're watching episode, I don't even know the number of the Lax Factor podcast. I'm your host, Ted Houston. Today, I'm going to break away from doing the previews for this week's upcoming games because I want to do a Tawartan update in terms of the top five guys that I think actually have a chance at winning the Tawartan. So my list is going to be a little bit different from most. A lot of times you'll see lists that will say, hey, these are the guys that we think are are deserving of being mentioned and deserving for being considered. But the reality is a lot of the guys that end up getting mentioned aren't really going to have a shot at winning because in general, the award goes to an attackman, a top point getter, and more often than not, someone whose team, you know, makes the final four, makes the finals and has a huge impact on the season. So I want to talk about my top five guys that I think actually have a chance at this stage. Before I get into it, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. And if you want to support the podcast, support the channel you can go to laxfactor.com we sell made in the u.s team apparel so if you need to outfit your club lacrosse team this summer uh, because we've kind of already missed the spring season here at this point you can go to laxfactor.com request a quote for your gear we have uniforms uh reversible shorts shooters all that crap. So go to laxfactor.com, hit us up there. And then you can also just buy swag, you know, podcast related t-shirt and all that crap. So I'm gonna shut up. I want to now talk about my first guy, and a lot of people are going to chirp me for Schellenberger still being my top guy, but the kid's got 12 goals, 26 assists, and 38 points over seven games so far. He's number six in the nation with 5.67 points per game and number one in the country with four assists per game. Now, I'm surprised how much talk there's been so far about Schellenberger not performing up to his full potential, mostly because from a statistical standpoint, he's right up there with everybody else that we're going to talk about today. I said earlier in the year, one issue that we may see with Schellenberger is he may not have a really high point production simply because Virginia is loaded. He definitely has more offensive help than anybody else on this list in terms of offensive depth. Uh, Virginia easily six deep in terms of dangerous players on the field offensively. You can make the argument that with that second midfield line, they could just about go nine deep in terms of guys that could actually score a point and are a legitimate threat at scoring a point while on the field. He started the season off with a six-point game and a win over Michigan, a 10-point game and a win over Harvard. Those were both comfortable wins, but nothing crazy. Now, his two uh, two of his four lowest outputs came in blowout wins over Ohio State and Richmond. That didn't alarm me at all, because when you're beating someone up, sometimes your best player doesn't need to be the guy to lead you. And then he had just three points in the win over Hopkins and then 10 points in a win over Towson before being held to three points in that matchup with Ajax Zapatello for Maryland off seven shots. One goal, two assists in that loss to Maryland, and it was Zapatello that primarily marked him. Zapatello, probably the better takeaway guy on that Maryland defense, whereas Maycar is probably the better overall cover guy, I think. Now, the Maryland output, not great. But in defense of Schellenberger, Maryland is the best defense that Virginia's played so far, and uh, and by, that's probably by a margin to a degree. And he had an off shooting day thanks to a goalie standing on his head in that one. So, you know, 
If Rupel doesn't go absolutely bonkers and have an incredible game, maybe Schellenberger puts up a couple more, more points and that game goes a different way. Schellenberger is still my favorite to win the Tewarton because despite that loss to Maryland, I think Virginia is still the favorite to win it all. You know, even teams that win the national, how, you know, Maryland going undefeated last year is a rarity and that does not happen. So Virginia was always going to lose a game this year. It's fitting that it was to Maryland, especially after they did battle last year. That's three in a row now that Maryland has over Virginia. But, um, Moral of the story, Schellenberger is still my favorite to win it until he ain't. And we have that matchup coming up this weekend with him and the next guy that I want to talk about, which is Pat Kavanaugh. 10 goals, 24 helpers, 34 points over six games. He is number four in the country with 5.43 points per game and number one in the country with four assists per game tied with Schellenberger. I was close to putting Kavanaugh ahead of uh, ahead of Schellenberger, but I'm a I'm the kind of guy where it's like I, I, I thought Schellenberger had the best chance to win it all at the beginning of the season and until Notre Dame beats Virginia and Kavanaugh bests Schellenberger, I think that I still have to keep Schellenberger at the top of my list right there. But I will flip-flop for sure if Notre Dame ends up beating Virginia here this next weekend, and, and specifically if, if Kavanaugh really does get the best of Schellenberger in a close game. You could easily have Kavanaugh sitting on top of Schellenberger at this point, though. I'm not going to chirp anyone who does. He's the lifeblood of this Notre Dame offense. He does, doesn't have quite as much talent as Schellenberger around him, but he still manages to make everyone around him look a lot better despite the swarm of defenders that he faces. And then regardless of the attention he gets, he still beats up on everybody that he plays against. Now, he's had slightly a slightly less bipolar stat line compared to Schellenberger that surprised me because he's known for just putting up big numbers in rando games here sometimes against good teams uh, last season he had four games of seven points or more eight versus Detroit Mercy nine against Syracuse seven against a good Duke team 10 against Syracuse in that second meeting he hasn't played Syracuse yet so maybe he'll put up another 10 on them we'll see now, his lowest output so far this season, three points against Georgetown and Maryland, both wins for Notre Dame, and those teams represent the best two defenses he's played so far, so it makes sense that they were able to bottle him up a little bit more. And he was specifically uh, guarded by Maycar. Now, in that Maryland game, though, where he played down a little bit, I think he had a goal and two assists. He also scored the game winner in, in like the third overtime with Maycar guarding him, dodging to the middle of the field. So credit to Kavanaugh for that. He had that down game, but he still helps his team find a way to win and scores a goal there when they need it the most. So Kavanaugh and Notre Dame could flip the script on me here. Uh, on you know versus Schellenberger and Virginia by picking up a win this weekend against the Cavs. If that happens, now Kavanaugh's my top dog, and Schellenberger is going to you know fill somewhere below that. Schellenberger could even get leapfrogged, you know, depending on what Duke does this weekend and uh, how Cornell plays. So my next guy that I want to talk, and I think that right now Kavanaugh and Schellenberger are your top tier. I think they're the top two right now because of who they're they're playing for and how they're playing. And then I think all of these guys are just a touch below them, and their fate is going to be determined by their team's success. So the first guy I want to talk about next, CJ Curse, 27 goals, 7 helpers, 34 points in 6 games. He's number 4 in the country, tied with, who was it, Kavanaugh? Yep, number 4 in the country, tied with uh, with Kavanaugh uh, at 5.67 points per game. I might have that wrong. Uh, number 1 in the country in goals per game with 4.5 goals per game. Now, Kirst trumps Brennan O'Neill thanks to both his overall output, but also because he's the only guy on this list that's actually filling up the net with goals. All of these other guys are kind of taking what the defense gives them, you know, and a little bit more assist-heavy than maybe even they'd like to be. But Kirst, he's still taking what he wants, 
and uh, and all this dude wants to do is score goals overall. He plays far beyond his size. He dodges like he's got 30 pounds on his defender, and he doesn't. Uh, he's tough, he's fast, and he has a knack for winning one-on-one matchups and then finding the back of the net. Uh, he's scored three or more goals in all but one game this season. He's had just two goals in Cornell. He had just two goals in Cornell's loss to Penn State, but he has three games with five or more goals: six against Albany, seven against Hobart, and then five against Yale. I'd argue he has the least amount of help around him as compared to all of these other team uh, guys that I've talked about thus far. Not by a lot. Cornell has a very talented team. It's just that all of these other te- uh, guys that I've talked about have some real true killers surrounding them. And I think Kirst is the main killer for his team. Um, so he's getting a ton of attention, though, and he's still finding the uh, ways to deliver, which is why I put him at third on this list, because to put the points up he's put up thus far and to not have quite the supporting cast that all these other guys do. I think that's incredible. He's tied with Schellenberger for the highest shooting percentage out of all of the, all of the guys on this list, uh, finishing the rock at a 38% clip. I think the issue down the stretch for Kirst, it's going to be Cornell's defense isn't what they were a year ago. I think that's going to limit how deep Cornell is able to get into the NCAA tournament. Uh, I assume they're going to make the NCAA tournament. That win over Yale gives me confidence that they're going to, you know, make the, uh, the Ivy tournament potentially win the Ivy tournament at least do some damage at least pick up enough non-conference or uh, conference wins from here that they're going to be able to get a you know a, uh, at least a at large bid here for the NCAA tournament but how deep they're going to get in, into the NCAA tournament is going to definitely play in his overall chances and that's why right now I have him at number three the next guy I want to talk about is Brennan O'Neill. We've got 23 goals, 19 assists, 42 points in eight games. He's number seven in the country with 5.25 points per game, number 25 in the country with 2.88 goals per game, and number 11 in the country with 2.38 assists per game. The reason I have him just a touch below uh, Cole Kirst at this point is simply because, once again, I think he's got a little bit more help than Cole Kirst does, and I think that the fact that Cole Kirst is just scoring goals like an animal helps him a little bit, but once again, th- this isn't a true order here. This is just my the order I'm putting these guys in in terms of the chance I think they have to win it all, and if, if Cornell continues and they, they keep picking up wins in the Ivy League, and especially if they win that Ivy League tournament and get a high seed, then I'm going to start believing that Cornell can go deeper into the NCAA tournament. I think Duke and I think Kirsten O'Neill are literally right level with each other. I'd almost say I'd really have them tied at, uh, for third, even though I'm talking about O'Neill for fourth. I'm trying to make sure that people people realize I'm not hating on O'Neill, and I'm really not putting him at fourth on this list. I think Kirst and him are tied for second right behind Schellenberger and Kavanaugh. Uh, O'Neill's been a monster so far in 2023. You could call him the most consistent point producer overall on this list as he hasn't had a game below three points thus far, and he also put up five points in Duke's only loss of the season to Jacksonville where he had five goals. A lot of these other guys in the games they've lost where their teams have have had a loss, they have been, you know, these big cats have been a little bit more quiet. O'Neill hasn't been quiet yet this year. He started out the season with two rough shooting days, 18.2% against Bellarmine, 22% against high point in terms of his shooting percentage. Since then, he hasn't shot below 30%, and over his last six games, he hasn't been below 35% in terms of shooting percentage. So his whatever shooting issues he had to start the season, over Duke's last 
seven games, he's been shooting the ball lights out and has been playing well, and Duke has been rattling off wins ever since then. Both O'Neal and Kirst are sitting right behind Schellenberger and Kavanaugh, as I said. However, I think that O'Neal actually has a better shot at winning this overall than Kirst because I think that Duke is built a little bit more to advance deeper into the NCAA tournament. I think they just have a they have a, a, a good face-off man, and not even a good face-off man, a top-tier face-off man. And Naso, Helm's been playing decent in cage. That defense has, uh, you know, Brower as a takeaway guy. Carpenter is let's run around, pick up ground balls, and take the ball away. So I think Duke has a slightly better team than Cornell overall, and I think that O'Neal and Kirst are going to you know, finish very close in production, so I think O'Neal, that puts O'Neal just a little bit ahead of Kirst because I think he's playing for a team that is a little bit better, at least at this stage, than Kirst's. And then what we always say, we know that the winner of this award is likely going to be playing on a Final Four team. Not, not that that's the, been the case more often than not, as we'll see here, but in a case like this where the race is so tight and, and one of the teams, you know, one of these guys... Uh, their team is likely to win the NCAA tournament in, ter- in terms of odds overall. That's where I'm kind of going with this. That's why I think Schellenberger and Kavanaugh right now are the, the, the top tier. That's why I think O'Neill and Kirst right now are the second tier because I feel like the guy that wins the award this year, his team is likely to win the national title. Uh, so let's talk about the next guy now, though. Matt Brandau, 13 goals, 12 helpers, 25 points in five games. Uh, he's number nine uh, in terms of points per game with five points per game. That's in the country. Number 41 in the country with 2.6 goals per game and number 10 in the country with 2.4 assists per game. Now, Brandau was my favorite to win this before the season started in terms of I thought I, I do. I did think he was the best attackman in the country coming into the season. Um, and maybe the point production hasn't indicated that you know fully yet. I think his chances of winning end up also being diminished by the fact that his team thus far has had a lack of success compared to the other teams. I think Yale's still sitting at like 13th, 13th in the country or something like that in terms of their ranking, but it's not nearly as certain that they're going to even make the NCAA tournament as it has been in years past. And the fact that they've already lost some key non-conference, well, one non-conference matchup against Penn State, and then they lost to Cornell, that kind of puts Brandau at the bottom of this pack here. He has been the most consistent in terms of being a 50-50 threat out of everyone on this this list in terms of goals versus assists, and that's in large part thanks to the young guns that he plays with, Chris Lyons, Leo Johnson, and the like. But Yale, with those losses to Penn State and Cornell already, they've still got Princeton, Penn, and Boston U up next over their next three. All three of those teams are tough draws and could give Yale trouble. So we'll really, to, to kind of figure out, hey, does, does Brandau really have a shot at this? We're going to have to see what they do over that three-game stretch. If they go 3-0 and over that three-game stretch and they beat Penn as part of that as well, I keep Brandau in this fifth spot right here. If they lose to Penn or even just go like 1-2 and two over that stretch, whether they beat Penn or not, you might see me start to, to sneak Sam Handley into this list because a lot of guys are going to be like, what the hell, man? You don't have Sam Handley on this list. Right now, I've got Handley as my sixth guy overall, partially because I, I think his production hasn't been great this year, but he's scored two game-winning goals. I think one of them in overtime, one of them maybe late, maybe both were in overtime. Um, and he's a midfielder, so he's not going to put up the points. The reason I don't have him on the list, though, is because an attackman wins this award way more often than not. Handley's a midfielder, but I think that I would probably eke Handley up to my fifth fifth spot specifically if Penn can beat Yale because those teams right now are kind of playing neck and neck in the Ivy overall. So that's it. That is my list at the end of the day here. Uh, what I want to, what, you know, 
I think one of the things that's important is I think that probably if we end up with like a Virginia Notre Dame national title, or if Virginia and Notre Dame both make the final four, I, I like the, the, I like, uh, for Schellenberger or Kavanaugh to win this award, even if they don't win the title. I think that Virginia, the chance that Virginia and Notre Dame advance beyond the, uh, the, all these other teams and the chance that we even see maybe a Virginia Notre Dame final, I think it's fairly high right now because I think they're in that upper tier with teams like Maryland and Maryland just doesn't have anyone that's really going to threaten to win this award this year. Um, in the past years, winning it all didn't matter as much as overall point production, but in each of those years, it was pretty clear who the best player was. So we look at this year, 20, uh, Wisnowskis won it last year. If Virginia had won the national title, I wouldn't have been surprised if Schellenberger ended up getting the award last year, but Wisnowskis and Maryland sweeped the season. It was a no-brainer. Wisnowskis wins the award. So that's a case of the national title winner wins the award. 2021, Jared Bernhardt wins the award. It was he didn't win the national title. Maryland didn't. I think Virginia won the national title that year. But it was very apparent to everyone who watched lacrosse that season that Jared Bernhardt, especially by the end of the year, was the best player in the country. 2019, same thing. Pat Spencer, I think that they they didn't even make it to the uh, final four. I think they lost in the round before that, but it was very apparent to everyone who watched lacrosse in 2019 that Pat Spencer was the best player, the most physically, you know, dominant one of the most physically dominant attackmans we've ever seen. He was the best player. And then you got this example here, Ben Reeves, the last one I'll talk about. Yale wins the title that year, Ben Reeves and 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 there was a couple other guys, Sowers. There was a bunch of guys that were up for consideration that year. Reeves won the title with Yale. He ends up winning the Twarton Award. So, we, you know, there's precedent for both. Uh, the, if When it's a close race, the guy that wins the title or the guy that advances further in the playoffs is going to get the award where it's not necessarily a close race and one guy stands out above all that guy's going to win it. So that's it. That's my video. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Come back on Sunday. We're going to do a, you know, the recaps for all of the games that are played between now and uh, uh, through the end of the day on Saturday. And then uh, next weekend, we'll get back into doing previews and crap like that. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And Hoost is out. The Lats Factor Podcast.